Bryn Communications, industry members, and eye care professionals are coming together to create a forum that connects the vision community in these unprecedented times. This program has been made possible in part with support from our premier sponsors, Allergan, Johnson Johnson Vision, Airy, Novartis, and Santen. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors for their support of this programming. Welcome back to another episode of the Mod Pod. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, thank you to our sponsors for making this episode possible. It's always really exciting to get together with new colleagues each week. On this episode, we're going to be discussing three main issues within optometry, student loans, unemployment, and finding a job. I'm Dr. Jocelyn Quint, co-hosting with Dr. Frank Juan, and our guests today are Dr. Keely Brown, an optometrist and Mountain Eye Care in Blairsville, Georgia, Brett Kestenbaum, who is the CFO and Head of Talent Acquisition at Covalent Careers, and Dr. Rachel Rubel, owner and optometrist at Belmont Eye in North Lake in North Carolina. I just wanted to remind all the viewers that we're taking questions. So if you have any questions, you have any concerns or comments, and then you want to actually bring them up, there's a chat box. So either in Facebook Live or on Zoom, if you're joining us by Zoom, you can add into the chat box and uh, contribute. You can ask us your questions, and we'll try to do our best to get to them. Now, I'm going to jump right into some of the questions here. Now, as, a, as an OD myself, I graduated from school many moons ago with about $250,000 in debt. I graduated with a lot of debt. What should I do with my federal student loans right now? Well, that's a great question. There are so many um, optometrists out there with the debt just up the wazoo. Um, what happened with the CARES Act on March 13th is all federal loans went into forbearance from March 13th to September 30th. What that means, there's 0% interest right now. So if you owed $100,000 uh, in March, September 30th comes, you're still going to owe $100,000. No interest is added. So that's great that they're doing that right now. Unfortunately, they're not doing that with private loans. Um, but I encourage everyone to call their lenders because there are a lot of private lenders out there that will drop it to 0% or for a few months or that full six months. So it's definitely something to look into because you don't want all that interest accruing right now. Yeah, so Rachel, you are very passionate about student loans, which is awesome. Um, so the best, so for somebody who maybe has a private student loan, say they've refinanced it previously, or maybe they're um, kind of waiting with the zero percent interest, but maybe down the road are interested in refinancing. Can you talk a little bit like about that? What are pros and cons? What are things that we should be looking out for? Yeah, now is a really a great time to refinance. Um, if you've got a steady paying job, you don't have, um, you have maybe an emergency fund saved up, you know, the rates are low right now. It's a great time for everyone to refinance. Some may be doing it for the first time, so you may lose like a grace period if you do refinance right now, but with rates very low, it's, it's something that you could definitely do. Um, you just want to be in a good financial position to do it. And it brings all of your loans down to one lower rate and you're just paying one loan instead of multiple. That's awesome. Yeah. Keely, what's your experience been with your student loans? So I have all um, government loans, luckily. So all of mine I checked uh, went to 0% um, interest for the six months. 
Um, my 2020 goal was to be just intentional about my finances, but also try to get my student loans paid off, which I might not meet that this year, but probably should be close, just depending on how long I'm out of work. But um, I went ahead and I had April saved up. So I paid April and it just went straight to the principal. So I paid what I normally would have paid with interest included. So I paid more towards the principal than the normal. And I'll save a couple thousand dollars if I uh, end up doing that for the six months of zero interest, just keeping at the same payment that I was used to originally. If, you know, if that's sustainable, depending on where things go. But I think it's really smart to, if um, you're in the financial position to do so is to chip away at that principle while you can kind of use this time um, as an advantage. Yeah. Paying off our loans right now is like a really, really big deal and certainly can give us a huge advantage. Um, of course, doing so requires us to have jobs and kind of having a job is a really important thing. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do, Keely? Yes. So, I mean, I'm an optometrist and then um, I do consulting on the side um, with different um, organizations and industry leaders. And I also have a small online um, accessory business that was booming um, before all of this. <laughs> and by booming, not, I'm not quitting my day job, <laughs> not that kind of booming, but it was picking up. Um, so it's called Kioptique. And the idea behind it was to give back um, to different organizations. And I do fundraisers with optometry schools or any organization, mostly I related, that wants to do um, raise funds for the program. Um, so I have mostly like eye themed accessories um, and I sell that all online. So, I mean, that kind of tanked, rightfully so, because um, my clientele were eye industry people. And we all, all of a sudden kind of had our the rug ripped beneath our feet um, with all of this. So it's picking up a small amount, but nothing like what it was. So one thing I did learn during all of this is I have all my eggs, my financial eggs, coming from one basket, basically, in the eye care industry. So maybe I need to branch out or something. I'm not sure. But um, I thought I was being smart having different streams of revenue. But now I've learned if you have different streams of revenue in one industry, maybe that's not as smart. I don't know. But hopefully nothing like this will ever happen again. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got that right. What about you, Rachel? Can you tell us about what you do? Can you tell us about your business and uh, your practice? Yeah, so I own three practices. I co-own them um, with my husband, who's an OD, and with Dr. Ryan Court. Um, currently, they are all shut down. We are emergency and urgent care only. We have unemployed uh, almost all of our staff. We do have two staff still remaining doing actually a ton of work. We've been really good with credentialing and um, working on our accounts receivable at this time. Um, and just kind of putting new policies and procedures in place for when we're ready to open up and trying to make us look a little different when we do, just to set ourselves apart. Um, you know, we have minimal income with the practices. We are going in for emergency visits or doing telemedicine. Um, my husband and I, we have rental properties that we take care of and run. So that's been helpful, kind of a different revenue stream at this time. Super. And Brett, can you tell us a bit about what you do? Sure. I'm the CFO and head of talent acquisition at Covalent Careers. Um, so my job really is to get our organization uh, to a place, especially at this time, because we've been impacted like obviously everybody else out there. Um, we are still functional. We have our whole team working remotely. 
Um, so as opposed to heading into our office, we are working remote. So some of the things that I'm doing is um, trying to have conversations with our landlord and see where we can um, look at um, different opportunities to, we'll call it refinance our uh, current lease um, and look for other ways to um, improve our finances in the short term. Um, you know, with what's going on now, one major thing that we all need to remember and remind ourselves is that a lot of the short-term pains that we're going to feel are not only financial, but they're psychological. And the, the more that we can get a hold of our psychology, the better we're going to be able to do to make more long-term decisions for our organization. So whether it's an eye care practice, thinking about when to reopen, what to do, how are we doing it, or if it's an organization like ours that helps eye care practices find talent, um, we, we need to think both in the short term, you know, how can we ensure that we have a uh, cash flow at this time to uh, withstand what's, what's happened and what's coming in the short term. And then for the long term, are we prepared to meet the demands that are going to be coming back on because, you know, everybody still has eyes and they're still going to need eye care services. So Kylie, you were, you were talking about being in one industry and, um, you know, if you talk to financial planners and financial advisors and things like that, when you're talking about your finances as a whole, you may want to be in multiple industries because one can get hit and another one's going to go up and that's how you kind of stay at equilibrium. But you're in a fantastic industry and I think that it's great that you are um, utilizing your skills and your knowledge to do things outside of just patient care and also in, um, in a way where you can do online sales and things like that and also find ways to give back. Thanks. I think that's that's great, Brett. <laughs> uh, I think being able to to think about it short term and long term is definitely advantageous, and it you have to keep that perspective, you know, from both sides. And as you pointed out, it's affecting all industries, not just eye care. Uh, but I think that Keeley's awesome, even though it's all the same the same kind of area as you say. It's you you have diversified it, which is really unique. Uh, Rachel, I want to touch a little bit more about your story because I know that you've paid off your student loans and I've heard you talk about your journey getting there. And honestly, it's really inspiring because sometimes right now, even if you can really hit your principal, sometimes when you have a large amount, that can seem really overwhelming. So how did you do it? Talk a little bit more about, give us kind of some hope of how people out there can, can get them paid off. Yeah. Um, you know, that first year out of school, you're just like, oh, yeah, I got student debt. We'll start paying it off. And so there was two of us. My husband and I both had over 200000 each. And going, what do we do? We lived by an envelope system. Um, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of uh, similar to Dave Ramsey. But we had an envelope for food, an envelope for entertainment, and an envelope for gas. And we put cash in them each month. And when one was depleted, we were like, oh, maybe there's some in another envelope to go out to dinner. Um, and we just literally lived by that just to make us more aware of where our finances were. We found we were eating out way more than we should. Um, we were spending things, you know, more lavishly than we should. And once we were made aware and were more conscious of it, we found we just started chipping away at our debt really fast where um, Brad paid his off in three years and I was four years right out of school. And we didn't live, I get asked, you, did you like not eat or live on ramen noodles? No, we still went out. We still did things. We still, we went to Europe. We traveled. We just found more um, economical ways of doing it. And we still live by that. 
Um, I think it really, once you do it for a while, it ingrains into you those methods and makes you aware of what's around you. And um, we found it's a good way for us to live. I found one silver lining during all this being home for like a month, five weeks, is that you realize how much money you're spending going out to eat. Like we would just, oh, we're too tired to cook tonight, so we would pick up something on the way home or um, buying like extra clothes, accessories, or even gas money. Like we're saving a ton and not having to spend any money on gas. My commute was like 70 miles uh, round trip and my husband's like 120 I think round trip so we both commute pretty far so we've been been able to like really like fine-tune our finances during this time and kind of really see where our money was going and it's kind of surprising and it's kind of pathetic and sad at the same time but it's a good time to just reevaluate things so yeah it's it's eye-opening it really is and once you get on that train it, it just makes it easier long term and so you're able to do more I was thinking about that earlier today, actually. I was getting into the fridge, thinking about uh, my fridge and how much I often went out to eat, how much I was going out, how, how frequently I was bringing home food. You know, my wife would call me, hey, you know, can you just bring home some food? I'm on my way home from the office. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll bring some dinner. But yeah, you know, it's definitely true. And getting to the habit of it's really important, too, especially right when you got out of school. And I used to have a whole lot of interns. First thing I would tell them is whatever you do, first thing you do, don't just just don't buy a car, the first thing you do. And like <laughs> half of my interns, I swear, I mean, I love you all. If, you're, if any of you are watching, I love you all, but half of you guys bought cars immediately. Like not like small cars, you bought like, I think one of them bought like a Navigator. Like it was, they were like really big, kind of like almost ostentatious cars. I was like, you know, if you could have taken a little bit of advice from me. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely one of those things. Um, but, you know, getting, uh, getting back to the topic, um, are doctors hiring right now? Now, can you tell us a little bit about the CARES Act, uh, Section 2206? Uh, how does that affect employers and employees? Yeah, we actually just hired a optometrist last Friday. Crazy, why would we be hiring during this time? We've been planning for six months going, hey, we're ready to hire in the summer. We've been growing and we've been vetting candidates for six months now. Um, and we really liked one, decided to give her an offer with the contingency, hey, we're going to be opening at full capacity. And she understands that. But with that, you know, it's going to be hard on us to get back running full speed. Um, the CARES Act was implemented as part, there's an amendment made to it on March 13th where it says employers can pay up to $5,250 for every employee. And it's for us, it's going to be payroll tax-free. For the employee, it's income tax-free. And that goes directly towards student loans. So I can pay my employee's um, lender directly, or I can just pay it to my employee, and then she's got to have the paper trail to her lender. But it's going to be tax-free on both sides. So I think that's going to be, you know, when it comes to hiring, that's an added benefit. All of that has to be paid by December 31st unless they extend it, which we're hoping they will, because I think that's a really good tool for employers to have when you've got these optometrists applying to different doctors or different practices. You know, if one says, hey, I can help pay $5,000 to your student loan, I think that's going to be a very added benefit to a lot of these optometrists coming out of school. I think that's great. Nice to hear, Rachel, that you guys are hiring. Um, Keely, you're in Georgia. Have you heard our, our people, um, what's the unemployment situation like for you? Are our new ODs being hired? Is it regionally a little scary right now? Yes. Yeah, so 
I mean, I think things have slowed down a little bit. Nobody kind of knows what to expect once we're kind of reopening and going through these different phases. Um, I think it will be slow, but I think, you know, we're still healthcare providers in the end. And I think we have a little bit of time, luckily for like the new graduates, um, they'll still have to take their boards, like state licensing exams. So I think they will probably hit it at a good time where they can still find jobs. Um, I know like in Texas next, or I think on Wednesday, they're opening up um, for like elective procedures like across the medical community. So it kind of be interesting to see how that phase rolls out, especially for a state like Georgia, we can kind of watch that and see that how that happens and what goes on with the virus. But um, I think there still will be a demand because, you know, the same amount of people still need eye care and it's just been building up. So at some point, there's going to be a rush of people. It depends when that's going to be, when the wave is going to hit of people that need eye exams. So That's definitely something that I think that we're going to start seeing. I mean, a whole lot of people are holding off. I, I, I actually wonder. How many people out there are at home right now with a set of broken glasses, just begging to get into their doctor's office? And, you know, it's definitely, I, I know it's got to be happening out over there. Now, what do you guys think we can do? I mean, for those of us who are without a job, and there are a lot of us, what can we do right now, even though we don't have a job? Do you guys have any suggestions? What do you guys think? I think modern optometry might be looking for people to write for them. <laughs> That's what I heard last time. Hmm. <laughs> um, I think this is a good way. I was talking to some residents and they were asking, a couple of them had their job offers rescinded recently. And they're like, what do we do? And one of them is it wants to be at a dry eye center. I said, well, put your protocol together, you know, type it all up, make it look pretty and present it. So when you have that opportunity to get into practice, you've got all of this stuff ready to go or work on fellowship right now. You know, this is perfect time to work on journals or cases or find your hobby. Um, I started playing the guitar because I've kind of been bored. <laughs> so just trying to find things to do. That's a great idea. I actually do play the guitar, but I haven't picked it up recently. <laughs> hey, Brett, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think Rachel's right on a lot of those accounts. I mean, first off, obviously, um, uh, looking at yourself uh, from that creative side is a really good idea and writing for any of the variety of publications. Um, that's a good way to exercise different muscles. But preparing, thinking about what the future is going to hold and preparing for that time is critical. I mean, this is a time where we're all locked in our homes and people say, hey, what do you have to do today? It's like, well, I really don't have much to do. I mean, granted, if you're still working, if you're working remotely or whatever, um, you are doing stuff. But um, uh, nobody's commuting anymore. So now you're saving an hour to two hours a day on their, on your commute. Maybe you have all this extra time. So thinking about, Hey, what, what should I be doing now? And, and the answer is, is you should be preparing. You should be thinking critically about what the future is going to hold both for you and for society as a whole. And you should be preparing your skills for those times when it comes to finding jobs. Um, I mean, on covalentcareers.com, there are plenty of jobs still available. What I can say is that what we've seen over the past uh, month or so is that we've seen anywhere from organizations going on 100% hiring freezes, no matter what the jobs were that were open, they are not currently entertaining or looking at jobs. I don't really think that's the right approach to take necessarily. I still think you should be, as an organization side, you should be looking to build your pipeline of candidates, network with people who are going to be looking for jobs, um, and then planning for that future, that long term. Uh, by continuing to um, focus like Rachel did on hiring for that need that's that's going to be coming. 
on the candidate side, uh, what I would be doing, if, if it were me, I would be, uh, again, preparing these skills that I could bring to a practice. Let's say maybe I would be brushing up on my marketing, or maybe I would be preparing a presentation that I can give to the community. Maybe I'd be preparing a presentation about dry eye for one of the, um, the local school districts or something like that. Um, and then what you can do is also in, uh, call up all of the practices in your area. Now, granted, a lot of them may not be open, so you can't get in touch with them. So the other, other way that you can get in touch with them is by sending them emails. You know, hi, uh, my name is uh, Dr. Cohen. I am, uh, I've been out in practice for two years, currently looking for an opportunity, was wondering if your clinic is hiring. Whatever that may be, you can send those cold emails into practices, and you may or may not get a response, but um, any action is better than inaction, especially in this time. We can take this opportunity now to just relax and really, um, you know, kind of take the approach of, well, let's see what happens and then we'll figure it out at that time when the economy turns back on and we're going back to work. But in my eyes, that's too late because then that's what everybody is going to be doing. So now as opposed to, com to, to um, competing with the 2 or 3% of people that may be taking action at this time, you're now going to be competing with those 97% of people that had waited to that future time. Yeah, that's really true. I think a good thing about COVID right now is that some of those resources out there to better yourself either through um, professional growth or to, you know, like learning new hobbies that you want to pursue is that a lot of those resources are free or they're at a significantly discounted rate than you normally would have access to. So being, you know, taking advantage of those, like Nikon has a photography class right now. Um, ECP, you know, the marketing um, department for the eye field has tips on how to grow your social media. So now is a good chance to kind of, you know, take hold of those resources that are out there. I do want to take a brief moment to thank you to our, give a big thank you to our sponsors who are helping make this program possible. So thank you to Allergan, Johnson & Johnson, Airy, Novartis, uh, Santon, Kayla Pharmaceuticals, Avelino Labs, Diametrics, and Dompey. Thank you so much. Um, it is because of them that we're able to, you know, kind of have these conversations with, with our colleagues. So Brett, you touched on it a little bit. You're with Covalent Careers. You gave some really good, helpful advice for people who are maybe looking for jobs. I know you guys have a big thing coming up. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So I guess this goes into my point about uh, preparing, taking action, doing those things. So we obviously saw that um, a lot of practices stopped hiring or there weren't any of these in-person events coming up. So, right, schools couldn't have career fairs. We didn't get uh, trade shows like Vision Expo. So we thought critically about, hey, what is going to be a need? And we're actually hosting um, the largest virtual career fair in the eye care industry for optometrists specifically tomorrow, April 21st, and then April 22nd as well. And um, this event is going to include education, uh, resources, and then job opportunities. So our team will be there. Our team will be available via live chat for anybody to ask questions about really anything career-related. No matter what the question is, we'll be there to answer it. We'll actually answer any question about anything, like, um, is Domino's still open? Our answer will be, I don't know, let me take a look for you, something like that. Um, but we'd also be there to answer questions about resumes or cover letters or negotiations or those type of things. So this is going to be a really great event. Um, just like we have this panel going on now, we're going to have a lot of live education sessions where the audience can ask questions. Um, some of those, I'm just reading off the schedule here. Um, we're going to have uh, leadership career paths 
We're going to have uh, talks about um, both uh, student events and um, different talks for students coming out of school. Uh, we'll be talking about who's hiring, again, resume and cover, uh, cover letters, and then also uh, non-clinical jobs, um, opportunities like for, uh, writing for um, any of the publications out there. Um, so this is really going to be an excellent event. You can find the event at covalentcareers.com forward slash virtual career fair. Um, our whole navigation bar is going to be changed for tomorrow. So if you just go to covalentcareers.com, you'll be able to get to the virtual career fair from there. Um, and it's going to be super positive. We already have a, over a thousand uh, registered attendees for the event as well. That sounds like it's going to be a really big deal. Uh, now that, uh, each of us here, all of us, panelists included, we're all professionals. We all have a professional degree, and we've all been through school. Uh, are any of you guys all still paying off your student loans? Are you guys done with that? Um, tell us about your experience. Um, yeah, I mean, when it came to my loan, I, I prioritized it. So uh, that was the first thing that I was doing coming out of school. Uh, granted, I was fortunate that my family had helped me through college, so my loans were in more of that 50000 range than the 200000 range, um, but I took the opportunity when I came out. Uh, my, my first objective was really to get a job that paid a lot of money at, a, at, a, um, at an hourly rate and then also provided me the flexibility to um, go ahead and try some entrepreneurial ventures, um, and then I kept my bill super low. So I really spent money on basically nothing. Um, I was driving my 2003 Toyota Camry that I um, had, you know, had, I had no bills on that car. So the car cost me zero dollars. Um, I barely drove anywhere. So, you know, I drove from work and then I drove home and then anywhere I need to go. I live in San Diego here. So I just walk or whatever. So my gas bill was very low. Um, I didn't eat out very much. Um, but when I wanted to, I would because... Because, you know, that was my first job out of school. I never had any money before that. So uh, if I wanted to treat myself to lunch or something like that. But then um, I took the time, paid off the loans, and, and um, now I don't have those to worry about anymore, which is a super fulfilling feeling. Super. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing your story, Brett. Rachel, I, I know your husband is also an optometrist, and so you guys have probably been hit kind of almost double with this whole COVID um, thing. What's been your experience? How have you guys remained really positive during this time? My husband's loving this time. <laughs> we uh, just finished renovating a home, um, one that we actually moved into literally four weeks ago. So right when this hit, we were had moving trucks. Um, so he, I heard the tractor start up a little bit ago. He's out back with the tractor right now playing in the yard. Um, he's loving it <laughs> and we were able to get the house together but you know it was a financial impact um we have an emergency account which we have saved for and put in hoping we'd never have to use it um we filed for unemployment both of us we filed for the ppp loan both of us because we each own different corporations um the idl loan as well um we have not gotten any of that <laughs> so it's kind of just waiting to hear and um, so it, it's been good. It's, we've had a lot of fun. We find all kinds of social distancing activities inside and outside. We've been hanging with the kids for the last five weeks here, um, just trying to have fun. That's awesome. Keely, what have you been doing to stay positive during this time? <laughs> yeah, so 
Um, I am a mom to a two-year-old, so I kind of embraced this moment as um, getting to be a stay-at-home mom, like something I didn't really think I was going to get to do for a while. So um, and I've been embracing that. And then I probably did that like full-time for the first two weeks, and I was like, I need to do something like to get my brain <laughs> moving, because colors and shapes are fun for a little while, but my brain was getting mushy. So um, I also didn't want to like, you know, fall off the wagon, I guess, to say but um so i've been looking at different things i'm working on my websites um sprucing up my social media my uh, linkedin kind of goes back to like what can you do right now i was like well i should just like i haven't looked at linkedin in a long time so i went back and dusted that off um just trying to stay relevant and out there too that helps um it goes back to you know preventing my mushy brain and just it's something i enjoy and like networking um, I've been doing continuing education. Um, we have cleaned out stacks and stacks of mail and paper and like old 2007 tax documents that we still had. So we shredded like five bags of documents the first few days, which I mean, it goes back to saying it's kind of nice to have some time to declutter a little bit. We still have work to do. It's not perfect, but um, just I've been embracing just the slowing down, like the weekends are slower, not having anywhere to go. Um, it's kind of been nice in ways now, granted, I mean, we do get bored and stir crazy and kind of crazy times is not all perfect, but I try to look at the positives that have come out of this, you know, knock on wood, we're all healthy right now. And it's, it's nice to, to reconnect with your family. And this is the most time I've ever spent with my husband like, in a long, long, long time. So it's kind of cool to have that, um, ability to do that again. So slowing down is probably the best part of it all. Yeah, there's a lot of positives about this time right now, including the fact that I think uh, pretty much every state has uh, laxed their uh, rules on CE as well. So I've actually been personally taking this time to uh, fill in some of my CE. I can actually do it online. I've been following a couple of different organizations that are doing some free CE. So it's definitely like a really big thing for me. But, you know, we're certainly uh, looking to see uh, you know, what's coming for us soon. Brett, could you tell us a little bit about some insights on the current job market? Are doctors looking to hire? What, what do things look like out there? What's the atmosphere like? Yeah, I, I mean, I think things are starting to, to take a turn where the, the sentiment is that now doctors are, are thinking more about that future, what happens when I open back up. Um, and they're starting to think more about um, their, their previous plans of hiring on for their organization. So I do think it, it will still be slow. Uh, because uh, you have to balance that. I need the current cash for, and uh, you know, I want to bring on a new associate. So I do think, I do still think it's going to be uh, slow to get back to where it was, which is a really truly booming industry. Um, but slow doesn't mean you know five years. It, it probably means anywhere from six to eighteen months, all depending on how long this lasts and then what um, what maybe like the next cycle of of um, coronavirus and the. Uh, the impact that uh, we need to, or, or the uh, the things that we need to do as society uh, in terms of social distancing more so in the future, again, um, or not having to do those things because the vaccines come out quicker and the treatments come out quicker, things like that. But um, yes, I do think it's going to rebound. Um, I, I think that people, again, should be preparing and um, th there is light at the end of the tunnel here for sure. Yeah, I think I can speak for us all when I say I'm really looking forward to the end of this whole business. But at the same time, as you said, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. 
Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you to our wonderful guests for coming on, for being really valuable and giving us some information, insight into your experience and to, into what you do. Uh, and I want to thank Jesslyn for joining us as well. Thanks, Frank. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsors. So we're going to be back in just a few days. On Wednesday, we're going to be talking about optometry life and what that looks like um, kind of uninterrupted. So stay tuned for the exact time by following along Modern Optometry's Facebook page. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay healthy. Bryn Mawr Communications, industry members, and eye care professionals are coming together to create a forum that connects the vision community in these unprecedented times. This program has been made possible in part with support from our premier sponsors, Allergan, Johnson Johnson Vision, Airy, Novartis, and Santen. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors for their support of this programming. This webcast podcast is intended solely for ophthalmic healthcare professionals and ophthalmic industry representatives. By accessing this webcast podcast, I acknowledge that Bryn Mawr Communications LLC, here in BMC, along with any all third-party corporate supporters of this webcast podcast, makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information presented in this webcast podcast. BMC, along with any all third-party corporate supporters of this webcast podcast, do not endorse approve, recommend, or certify any of the opinions or information presented or mentioned. BMC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, in this webcast podcast.